This is Speaking of Teens. I'm Ann Coleman. Thank you so much for being here today, first of all. This is my second ever weekly bonus episode, so it's short and informal and may even be a little random, but still it'll include information for you as the mom of a teen or tween. You can find these every Friday where the regular show drops on Tuesdays. So here's my first question. Does your teen know how to think critically about the information they consume online? What made me think of this this week was my own 89-year-old mother who believes every single thing she sees online, literally. And that's primarily Facebook and YouTube. You don't see her without her iPad in her hands. And if the iPad's not in her hands, she's sitting in her office at the computer. For years, when she tells me something that seems a little bit wacky, I ask her, did you read that on Facebook or see it on YouTube? And then I ask, did you fact check it? I sent her to Snopes.com for years, but I'd always be the one to have to go and check and then go back to her and say, mom, stop forwarding that or stop posting that. It's not true. Here's what it says. And she's not an idiot, so I don't get it. But anyway, the headline of one of the latest things my husband remembers her sharing on Facebook was, quote, Clinton Foundation investigator Kenneth McCormick found dead. She thinks the Clintons are like the mafia, apparently. According to her, they've killed you know, lots of people. I don't know what that's all about. So you know that Kenneth McCormick is Kenny from South Park, right? Kenny, who dies in every show. This was a satire. It was a satire website that published that and people were sharing it on Facebook like it was true, like it was another, you know, the last body count or the last person that the Clintons had killed. Then as recently as, I don't know, a month or two ago, both my 22-year-old son and godson thought Andrew Tate was wonderful and I had to set them straight about that. See episode 40. Have you ever had a conversation like this with your teenager? They tell you something you know isn't true, so you have to explain fact-checking to them? I remember several years ago, my son and I were debating whether marijuana was safe for teenagers. He got his information from probably Leafly.com, and I got mine from Scientific America. I had to explain the difference in our sources. I do remember that. Digital literacy and critical thinking skills are more important for our kids now than ever before. Does your teen or tween know how to determine if something they see online is true or misinformation or even disinformation? Do they know to check things out with a variety of sources? Do they understand how to tell if a source may be biased or not or just misinformed themselves? Do they know that some people and journalists can interpret things differently or ignore certain facts? Do they understand the difference in learning something directly from the source and learning it from someone who heard it from someone else? Recent reports show that teens do understand that the internet is full of just plain wrong information, and they appear to be aware that this kind of thing is linked to misogyny, racism, homophobia, and more. 
But what they seem to want is for the people who run the platforms to protect their spaces more from misinformation because they don't like to have to leave the app to go look things up. But that may or may not happen to any further extent than it already has. At the very least, our kids have to learn to think for themselves and pause long enough to ask themselves whether something might actually be true. Some experts believe misinformation is one of the biggest issues we face as a society today and that we have to teach young people the skills to investigate information and make up their own minds. English teachers and librarians have started adding to their curriculum, teaching students how to think critically about news stories and social media. As one teacher says, I think if we don't give students these tools, then they're more susceptible to being part of scams, they're more susceptible to listening to the loudest voices or what's shared the most on social media, and that's not necessarily the truth. Snopes.com has been around for years, and it has been my go-to for fact-checking outlandish-sounding stories forever, but there are other websites for specific content, like political content. There's politifact.com. And I did find a great website that has a specific section for teens, the MediaWise Teen Fact-Checking Network. They use social media to debunk viral misinformation and to share literacy tips. They have a virtual newsroom of middle and high school students. They have a YouTube series called Is This Legit? And they partner with PBS NewsHour student reporting labs to provide awesome lesson plans for teachers. And I'll have all of those links right here in the episode description for you. One article I read on that MediaWise site says that there are three questions to ask yourself when you check claims made online. And I think this is a really good start for parents and kids for discussion. Number one, who's behind the information? Number two, what's the evidence? And number three, what do other sources say? So that's something to think about and maybe bring up the next time your teen shows you a video talking about how there's a hidden bunker under the Denver airport for America's elite. Okay, and I don't have any like little cute music ding, ding, ding to play between the things I'm going to talk about. So just ding, ding, ding. Okay, so here's the next thing. It's going to be beach time soon, right? You know what I love about the beach? Well, there's the sound of the ocean walking on the beach at sunset. That's about it. Something about the sand mixed with oil and sweat and the general heat. And I haven't been a sunbather for literally 30 years. I avoid the sun like the plague. I did all the damage I could do when I was a teenager with the baby oil and the iodine and the silver blankets and boiling in the sun 10 hours a day, every day for years. But the biggest issue is I don't do water not the kind that has living creatures in it. Not since I saw Jaws a hundred years ago. And I'm serious. I haven't been in the ocean above my ankles since then. And I won't even say when that was. But, and I can't even tell you how nervous I was when my son would go in and he'd be up to his neck. 
I made my husband go in with him until he was probably 10 or 12 years old. And every time he got up to his waist, I'd be that mom waving her arms on the beach and yelling at her kid, it's too deep. Come back, get back here, shallow water. All I could ever think about was that damn music and people screaming and running towards the beach. I was a nervous wreck. And of course, I know it doesn't happen often, but every time it does, I want to call my son and say, see, I told you it could happen. So as a matter of fact, just last week, or maybe it was week before last now, and maybe you saw this too, a 13-year-old girl who lives across the street from the beach in Fort Pierce, Florida, was attacked by a shark. Now, granted, I don't think it was an eight-foot great white. She thinks it was maybe a bull shark, but it still did a number on her stomach and her arm and it bit her finger and her knee. And get this, she yelled to her friend to get out of the water while she fought it off of her. She had it in its face, you know, its nose and all the stuff you're supposed to do, its eyes, I guess. And this is one time her mom was probably thanking God for her 13-year-old's iPhone. She got out of the water and FaceTimed her brother. She didn't think her mother was home, but she was, thank goodness. But she thought her daughter was kidding until she panned down and showed her the bite on her stomach and the blood running all over the place. She ran to the beach, put her daughter in the golf cart, and took her down the street to the fire department, and they got her to the ER. 19 stitches. The moral of the story, I was right. Ankle deep is enough. But if you go in deeper, you better have your iPhone handy. Okay, next little bit. Okay, and I don't know if this is really big news or not, but Uber has lifted its restriction on minors riding without a parent or guardian. For now, in 22 of the largest cities in the U.S., starting May 22nd, so it just started. So if you have kids between 13 and 17, they can now officially ride alone. Of course, teens have been taking Ubers since the app was introduced, but now there are a few more benefits for parents. The account can be opened in the kid's name, but it's controlled by the parent or the guardian. You're the account holder, so you get notifications when they request a ride, and you can track the ride in real time. You can communicate with the driver, and you can even utilize Uber's in-car audio recording feature. Now, the teens have to take a little safety training through the app before signing up, and only high-rated drivers will be eligible to accept teen passengers. But there aren't any, like, additional screenings or background checks or anything else that they'll have to go through other than what they've already done. They're just high-rated. But, oh, and get this, for the boomer in your life, or just people who don't like smartphones, Uber has added a toll-free number. So now Nana can go play bridge at the club in an Uber. Okay, and finally today, an opinion piece from the MedPage Today website. First, I think it's important to mention the credentials of the two professors who authored this article. Dr. S. Bryn Austin, a professor in the Department of Social and Behavioral Sciences at Harvard School of Public Health and a professor of pediatrics at the medical school. She's also a researcher in eating disorders at Boston's Children's Hospital. And the other author is a the director of Young Men's Health at Boston Children's and an instructor at Harvard Medical School. 
I tell you that because I normally go to several sources and check information, but I'm taking these two at their word. And I thought this was really interesting and important for you to know. According to the authors, adolescent boys are showing signs of body dissatisfaction and muscle dysmorphia more and more these days. Muscle dysmorphia means they're obsessed with having a muscular body. And 60%, the majority of our boys say they manage or alter their diet in some way to try to be more muscular. And these experts put much of the blame squarely on the dietary supplements industry. Interestingly, having just spoken about disinformation, that's exactly what they're blaming on this industry. Apparently, these muscle building products are dangerous. And there's a whole culture that's built up around them. And teens are being greatly influenced by it all, which is damaging both their physical and mental health. Your kid may have asked you to buy these supplements. You may use them yourself. Pediatricians and coaches are used to hearing questions from teen boys about these supplements and why they're not working to make them more muscular since they're using them every day. It turns out boys are just as influenced as girls when it comes to their bodies. They see the buff Hollywood actors, hello Channing Tatum and Jason Momoa, Idris Elba, Hashtag men's fitness reveals over 2 million posts on Instagram. And oddly enough, when I was reading the articles about disinformation, one of them quoted a young man that mentioned the disinformation he knows is on social media about men's fitness. Research shows that when these ideals are internalized, they cause mental health issues such as depression and low self-esteem. And with the mental health crisis in teens, they don't need any more piling on. This is what shocked me. 55% of boys and 33% of teen girls use these protein powders, these supplements. It's not surprising. You can get them anywhere from Walgreens to the grocery store, the gym, and certainly online. And the way they're marketed leads kids to believe that building muscle is as easy as taking a supplement. And I didn't know this either. The FDA has been issuing public warnings and taking enforcement actions against manufacturers of these products for years. I'll link the FDA page devoted to tainted bodybuilding products. These things are widely known to contain all sorts of, quote, illicit steroids, excessive stimulants, and experimental drugs. These are not approved for use by humans. And the FDA basically says, we just can't test everything. The latest warning they issued was about the use of selective androgen receptor modulators, or SARMs, among teens and young adults. I'm putting these links in the description where you're listening right now in the show notes too. So please take a look. If you or your kids are using these products, please stop. And let me add one more note here. We've just opened the Speaking of Teens Facebook group. Please come join us. I want to make this a welcoming space where you can share your concerns, ask questions, share your wins. I'll be there to support you all along the way. And I'll be live in the group this Wednesday, May 31st, talking about our emotions, 
our mom emotions, being more aware and more regulated. Please join the group and we'll chat Wednesday. I'll have the link in the show notes or actually in the description right here where you're listening as well. All right, I'll be back here Tuesday and I'll see you on Facebook Wednesday. Go hug your teenager.